Welcome to episode 53 of The Crownsman Show. Today, we are joined by Ben Rappel. He is the CEO of BR Attachments. He's here to discuss their full line of products from excavator and loader attachments to asphalt pavers. And he's also here to discuss the creating and building of partnerships. But before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. We are sponsored by Cymex, hydraulic attachments for earth-moving machines. Cymex products are designed and engineered to be exceptionally durable and high-performing. Their attachments are created to solve specific problems related to the myriad applications they are used for, while guaranteeing highly efficient production for the end user. Check out their line of screening buckets, cutter heads, and road planers at cymex.it. We are also sponsored by AMI Attachments. AMI Attachments is an industry-leading North American manufacturer of quality, reliable attachments for excavators, backhoes, wheel loaders, and other heavy construction equipment. With a head office and manufacturing facility in Ontario, Canada, AMI Attachments serves the heavy equipment attachment market across Canada and the United States. You can visit them at amiattachments.com to check out their full line of Graptco buckets, Let's Dig 18 Progressive Link Hydraulic Thumbs, and the Kraken Concrete Pulverizer. Again, that is amiattachments.com. We're also sponsored by Savannah Equipment. Savannah Equipment supplies new and used mining equipment around the world from placer to underground to open pit. If you need a trommel, ball mill, and even laboratory um, or electrical equipment, visit them at SavannahEquipment.com. They have thousands of items available every day. Again, that is SavannahEquipment.com, where you will find more equipment every day. Well, let's get on with episode 53. Here is Ben Rappel and Jared Downey. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Crownsman Show. I'm your host, Jared Downey. And today on the show, we have Ben Rappel. He is the CEO and the founder of BR Attachments. Um, we are going to cover a lot of ground today because he is a distributor for multiple um, attachment manufacturers. So there's... Um, we're going, to stop, um, we're going to discuss some of the standard work, some of the customized work that they do through their distributors. Ben, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good, Jared. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm honored to be a guest. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's it's one of these things that we, when you start digging into what you do, it's very interesting and spans a lot of industries. Um, so I think the first thing we should do is just so, sort of set out for the audience what exactly BR Attachment uh, does and, and how they distribute into the industry. Right. So it's actually, it's kind of an interesting story. I mean, I started out at, at one of my current competitors now, and, um, and it was a great company to work for, but we saw a hole in the market and um, there's, there's these big vendors which supply everything to everybody but we feel like they might lack a little bit in service and support. And then there's the mid-sized and small vendors who supply a section of it. But at the end of the day, if you want good service and support right now, you had to pick up the phone and call multiple different suppliers. And you had to have invoices from different people. And, and it was a lot more for your team to handle. Whereas at BR Attachments, our goal was to set up a, a company where we had partners that brought industry leading products to the table that also covered the full span. And we put customer service and support as our first and foremost priority all day long. I, I wanted to uh, unpack that a little bit. So, um, because when we talked off, offline, you know, prepping for the interview and that, you, you mentioned the, um, on that 
that top end, you know, these big distributors. But there was you actually saw a gap on the on the bottom end as well. So you saw gaps in both markets where the the bottom couldn't provide because they're not um, they're not backed by a big manufacturer. But then the big manufacturer kind of can't provide the service. Is that that's so you saw that gap right down the middle? Yeah, exactly. So the the middle gap to me was taking the the bottom line, which had the great service and support and made a, a higher end product and bringing it to the top line where you had multiple manufacturers bringing that great service and support, but all through one source. So that way, if you're dealer XYZ, you don't have to have 12 different people set up in your accounting system. Your, your service shop doesn't have to have seven different numbers to call for warranties on a single excavator, which has a coupler from this person, a thumb from that person, a mulching mm -hmm. head from this person, and a hammer from that person. So. Our whole Did, goal was to bring that all into one package for them and, and be very selective with our partners and only pick the guys that really make the highest end product and also believe in the level of support that we do. And you, you, were, you said you were working for a larger uh, distributor beforehand. A distributor or a manufacturer were you with before? I was with a manufacturer before. And so and was that, was that one of the large ones? Hey, they, they're a mid-sized manufacturer. Um, there are some guys that are 500 million a year. They were on the sub-100 million a year. Uh, right, okay. So we're on a $10 million, $2 million a year manufacturer. Did you, so just from your own experience, because it's an interesting transition when you go out on your own, specifically for seeing a, a gap in the market. What, did you run into specific situations um, where you felt your hands were tied that you kind of wanted to go to a different a different level with the customer, but just you know, maybe not even the company's fault, but just the system just didn't allow it to? Did you actually run into that? Yeah, several times, and and it was a, I I loved my last employer. They were a great company. I want to make sure that that's clear. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the larger employers or the larger manufacturers. They, they were very hard to get out. Even though you'd sit there mm. and you'd be talking to the CEO of a Caterpillar dealer and they'd say, yeah, we don't really want to work with them or we, we know that they've got bad service or they, they don't take care of our guys, but then the purchase orders come in and they still write the purchase order to that group because they take care of everything. And because they're taking care of everything, they can also discount and, and give the, the benefit of a large purchase order to the the supplier. Um, I mean, if you give me a $4 million purchase order versus a $200,000 purchase order, your price point's going to change. I right. don't care if you're in cars or construction or in marketing. The, there's a, there's a, the other thing I want to do right off the bat was just talk about a, a project that sort of stands out. Um, you know, something that's you know, just sort of a project you've been involved with with BR Attachments. It sort of, for you, exemplifies why you started the company and sort of how it can be taken to another level. Um, is, is, there a, is there a project that stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of them, but the first one that pops to my mind is something that we brought out in the market um, right out at Con Expo, um, which is a new 10-yard bucket for the WA500 yard loader. Um, my rep down in Texas, Kendall Holtz, just did an awesome job working with his local Komatsu dealer and the quarry that they were working on. And they really, they weren't getting a true two-pass product. Um, 
Komatsu has very stringent regulations, as they should, in regards to their engineering and making sure that the attachment works right with their machine. And so we went to AMI, who's our partner out of Canada that makes the majority of our uh, fixed attachments, non-hydraulic attachments, and um, said, here's the issues that they're having. They're not getting a true two-pass, so they're going to they're two-passing plus a little. Can we get to 10 yards for this size machine? And they went mm. to SSAB, and SSAB makes hard ox and strengths and all of this amazing steel, which really, truly can't be duplicated. And they came up with a 500 tough material, so it's a, a much harder steel. It's got much less wear in it, but it's also not brittle. So we were able to increase the capacity of the bucket without changing the weight, letting it go from 9.8 to 10 yards, which doesn't sound like much, but it true too past. So our bucket costs a little bit more than everybody else's, but they pay for that bucket in hours, not days, not months, not years, hours, just in fuel savings alone, let alone the fact that their guy's not having to do a third loop every single time a truck comes in. I'm curious, how, how quick did that, that project, you know, something like that, which sort of, like, like I referred to earlier, it kind of exemplifies why you, you started the company and structured it the way it has been structured. How, how quick into the company did that, did that uh, project or projects like that start to come along? So, I mean, projects from day one came along because uh, all the guys that, I, that I've brought onto the team, they've all been selling attachments before. It, our world is really a relationship-based world. So we had a great group of contacts. Um, we just didn't always have the means to, to be able to go out and do the projects that we wanted to be able to do. So when we started working with AMI and Cymex and Falco and Indeco, um, we were able to do those projects. And uh, Kendall, from day one, I heard about this opportunity to time they had a bucket in their hands. I mean, through design, through working with the end user was about eight weeks, which is pretty unheard of. I mean, that like that, that's so quick, cool. isn't it? Oh, it's I yeah, mean, can't give AMI enough credit on on the. I mean, Dwight Myers, their VP of Engineering, just knocked it out of the park, and Steve Frey, their owner, uh, he's a very engineering-driven guy as well. And the two of them worked together to to create this design. And and now, I mean, we've got the two largest quarry companies in the United States running these buckets, and mm. that continuing to go more and more and more. And we've worked actually directly with Komatsu OEM. Um, to get the, the CEST approval and engineering done. And, and we were able to do all of that because we, we are the big player now, but we still have the flexibility of, of the smaller house um, with that service. I think you touched on it uh, already that if you, when you manufacture or when you collaborate to produce a bucket like that, it now becomes part of the market, right? Like that that now can get duplicated multiple times across, you know, multiple queries with multiple products with den different densities and all that sort of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is not just a one-off bucket that we're going to sell to this, this one quarry once. Once they got it, they bought several of them. And then all of a sudden, another large quarry came on board with it. And that's just in the last four months. Um, and we see this bucket kind of setting the new market for that. And there's a lot of WA 500 two-pass yard loaders sold every year. And, and mm -hmm. we like to see our bucket on 50 to 80% of those. Right. Um, I want to, uh, you mentioned Cymex. They, they actually jumped on as a sponsor for the show. And um, so, of course, we've got to not only give them a shout out on the show, but we also, I want to 
uh, talk about. They've got. Um, I've got to look at my notes here because I want to. They've got a. They have the like the world's largest uh, skid steer planer. Or <laughs> I, I don't know much about planers, um, so you, you'll have to walk me through it a little bit. But I, I think they have the largest or something like that. I saw. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So we launched that at Con Expo again as well, and um, it's a sixty-inch mill or planer, depending on which market you're in that goes on the front of a skid steer. So normally when you're talking 60 inches, you're talking a Workin or a Road Tech or a Caterpillar, and you're talking 400,000 plus dollars. Whereas ours is in the, to an end user, it's gonna be probably right around that $40,000 mark and you already have the skid steer on the job site. So for a medium sized parking lot or down or, or decent sized road project, all of a sudden you're now bringing a skid steer which is already there and throwing this planer on top of it. Plus it's got the integrated water tank, the self-leveling, all of the other amazing features that Cymex has. I mean, at the end of the day, Cymex is the Cadillac in the planing market and everybody in the world knows that. They were the first people to ever create a planer. They own over 40% market share worldwide in the skid steer planing market. It's, it's one of those companies which when, when you say skid steer planer, that's what people I, have, I mean, I've had a limited experience with them just from, you know, you suggesting them as a sponsor, then they jumped on. I mean, they were very, very efficient. I mean, I would, I would say in the top five sponsors that have just, what's the information? What do we need to do? Bang, bang. Like they were just, so there's a certain, and there's a certain type of company that operates like that. How do you, how do you build a relationship? I mean, obviously it's got to go, go both ways, but a company, like you said, they've got 40% market share. You're starting out a new company and now you develop this relationship with them. Um, how do you, how do you sort of start that build and then build it and of course maintain it? So I was very fortunate. I mean, I had sold attachments for eight years. My um, network in the, in not only the, the U S but in the national market um, or worldwide market, I should say was relatively strong. And when I came on the marketplace, creating what we're doing now. Um, I was put in touch with Cymex and they were put in touch with me. And I spent several months in Italy since then building that relationship with Miracle Rizzi and Andrea Bonomi um, and working with them on what we viewed or what BR attachments viewed as the right way for them to go into the market and how they viewed that. And uh, I can't be happier with them. And I'm pleased to announce actually for the first time publicly that we are creating a Cymex North America as we speak. Mm. So we'll be holding, we'll have a new warehouse here. Um, I will be the managing director of that along with the CEO of BR Attachments and Cymex is investing a great deal of, of capital to come here and take care of the US the right way. They haven't been in the US because of some OEM deals with larger players. So you guys have all seen their product before, but you mm -hmm. might have it's theirs. Now that we've got padding buckets and we've got drum cutters and we've got all of these other amazing products, there was finally enough space in the market to justify having that, but they didn't want to do it halfway. So they waited until there was enough space to do it full way, invest the capital, find the right partner. And I was lucky enough to be the, the partner that they found. And, and since then, it's just been an awesome whirlwind ride. I, I don't want to ask too simple of a question, but uh, I'm, I'm forced to a lot on this show, because, just for my own knowledge. Um, what is going to be, um, you said there was some OEM challenges and things like that, but what what is going to be the big shift when a Cymex actually has uh, a, direct, a director, manager here, 
Um, they've got warehousing here and, and, and that distribution setup. What's going to be the major shift from the, from the user perspective? From the user perspective, uh, we like to believe that VR attachments has done a good job as their importer, but having that additional capital, that additional support, we're going to have a warehouse parts manager, we're going to have all of the additional capabilities. It's just going to continue to make the, the buying, servicing, and installation process just that much smoother. Plus, our lead times will go down as well, because right now, I, I mean, we're only three years old. I don't pretend to have thousands and hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank where I can put whatever I want in inventory. Um, whereas Mirko and, and Cymex Italy have been around for 20 plus years and, and they have the funds to really ensure that if there's a product that's turning, we're going to have it on the shelves here in North America. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm uh, it, in our company too, there, there's, a, there's a need to, to collaborate, it's it's not an easy thing. I don't I don't know if it's um, if it's learned or or something that some people naturally have. Probably a mixture of both, like most things. Um, but you you mentioned earlier choosing the partners and how did you actually? I mean, when you started the company, you you obviously had a plan and things you wanted to do. How did you make those decisions on even who to approach? Um, and then and, and sort of start those those partnerships with them. So there were some companies which I didn't know, but I I knew that once I done my homework on them, like Cymex was a name that I wasn't super familiar with, but the person that mm. us together was somebody that I really trusted. And then I did a whole bunch of homework on them. I went and visited their plan. I I spent a lot of time with their ownership. This wasn't something that was just done overnight. And then actually my West Coast um, sales manager, Ed Hunter, was the one who introduced me to AMI. But I had been selling against AMI and I had been selling against most of the, the competitors in the marketplace. So I knew who did a good job and who didn't do a good job, who would match with our philosophies and our core values of service and support and customer comes first and who wouldn't. And, I mean, we've had a couple of amazing opportunities with people that I really respect um, come to us and, and I've said no because either their company wasn't ready or their service level wasn't ready or the, their name in the marketplace wasn't right. Because um, we mm -hmm. won't have to sell direct to an end user. And if, if somebody has that reputation, that's going to damage my reputation. And, and I'm 35 years old and I plan on running this company for the next 35 years. So it's it's something where, yeah, I could have made some short-term money, but we're looking at the long-term view and we want to do it the right way and have the right partners. So it was there was a lot of homework and asking dealers and end users and, and making sure we knew what we were doing before we just jumped in. What would have what would be the difference? Do you think if you I mean eight years is enough time to get a, a pretty good grasp of, of an industry? Um, what would be what would be different? Do you think if you'd spent four years and went out and tried to do this? I think that um, I mean I I learned and grew a lot at my last job. Um, I think that I would have been a little too immature at that time. I wouldn't have the experience and the knowledge to really pick the right partners, I probably would have gone after the quick dollar first, right? Mm. Um, so having that time there really was invaluable. It gave me great industry knowledge. 
the when I started with that company, they were totally focused on customer support and service, and and I was able to see what customer support and service looked like, and and when there wasn't customer service and support, what that looked like, and and it let me grow and and understand the value there. Um, so I I think that naturally just it happened perfectly, and I couldn't have been it. There weren't conscious decisions I made that led to this. It just mm. one of those things where everything came together at the right time. I, I had to stick my neck way out on the line, but it uh, it paid off. So. It's uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no matter how much you know, when you when you step in uh, step into the ring and it's your own company, it's a different game. It doesn't matter. It, it, you, nothing you know can get you completely ready for that. I don't think. Oh, no, not even close. I mean, I remember year one, uh, we were at AED and I was hiring our first guy and he approached me and was like, hey, I, I love what you're doing. I want to come work with you, sell me on it. And we weren't ready. I, I knew we weren't ready, but right. a guy like that doesn't come along every day. So, mm. so, I mean, I remember literally sitting at this conference negotiating with my partners about getting additional territory while he's quitting. I didn't even have the territory locked up. And He's literally quitting his job. And, <laughs> and then I got home and I did the cash flow analysis and I'm like, six months from now, we're going to be burning in the red. And, and I hadn't taken a penny out uh, to support this. I self-funded the whole thing. And I'm like, holy cow, like Kendall, he better knock it out of the park right off of day one. And fortunately, yeah. it, everything worked out. But there was, I mean, this gray streak that I've got did not exist before I opened the company. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of like presidents they come in there and they're they're kind of these handsome put together young men they come out they look like they're about uh 90 years old right it was after... a term that cost them 20 years <laughs> exactly exactly um the um okay i want to do i'm going to kind of combine a couple things that i want to talk about one is that you have a full line of products so i want to talk a little bit, bit about that and then i want to make a distinction between the custom and off the shelf so just first off um can you give us that just a, a little bit more broad strokes what all are you selling of course i hope people go to your website and that but just just for someone who's listening um what are the products that you have on in your lineup right now so i'll kind of roll through in a partner direction. So we'll start with AMI. AMI has everything from a three ton excavator bucket or coupler or thumb all the way up to a 12 ton or sorry, 120 ton, 400 ton excavator bucket. Um, they do couplers, thumbs, grafter buckets, all sorts of custom, more metal fabricated non-hydraulic attachments. I mean, grafters and, and rotating clamshells have hydraulics, but they're not what you would classify as a hydraulic attachment. Um, we also have quarry products and things like that. And we're actually, I can't say too much about it, but we've got a new bucket coming into the industry. And when you hear new bucket, I, when I heard this, I was like, okay, how are you gonna do a new bucket? I mean, a bucket, a bucket, a bucket, bent metal. But this is gonna, I mean, it's gonna add at least 20, if not 30% additional capacity on a 80 ton excavator. It's a game changer. Mm. Um, we've got really exciting stuff like that coming down. And then you go over to Cymex, and Cymex has mills which leave for skid steers, which leave the trench empty and windrow the products out. We've got paving attachments like our ST200. We have 
mining attachments like our drum cutter uh, for the pipeline industry we have padding buckets which our padding bucket is fantastic i mean there's probably three real players in the padding industry before us and they're all fixed their acquisition costs are high they don't have any adjustability and their maintenance costs are really high and we're our acquisition cost is going to be 10 to 15 percent cheaper your product can adjust from one inch minus to two inch minus just by clicking a switch and when mm. you talk about your tools it's a five-hour process, not an 18-hour process. So we've got that for the pipeline industry. Um, for the pipeline industry, we also work with Falco, which literally makes the world's, and I'm not exaggerating, the world's best compaction product. It's a fully sealed product. Everybody else has a six-month warranty, maybe a one-year. They have a five-year warranty for a non-breezeable compaction. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's the gold standard of compaction product. Um, and then we jump to Indeco, and I've known Mike Fisher for a long time and Michele. Uh, Michele's the owner in Italy. Mike run, is the CEO of North America. And they make a great product. They've got a great reputation. But why I really was excited about jumping in board with them is because of their service and support. That that's what they hang their hat on. When something goes wrong with a hammer, and it's going to, it's a hammer, they literally self-destruct. Um, mm -hmm. they, they step up above and beyond every time. So, I mean, hammers, shears, pulverizers, mulchers, we've got outside of a skid steer bucket or a skid steer coupler or basic skid steer attachments, we pretty much have everything a dealer can need. Wow. Um, now let's go into that, that custom, custom versus off the, off the shelf. shelf. Um, if you had to guess, is, there, is it sort of split 50-50, do you think? Or is, would there be a higher percentage that's off your shelf? We need a standard we need a standard product for our machine um, and, and here's the order form, as opposed to how much is we've got, we need to increase capacity, like you said about that Komatsu. Would, would you be able to guess on what percentage it would be of one to the other? Probably about 60, 40, 70, 30, the 60 or 70 being the, the standard stock. It's a 42 inch excavator bucket for a 20 ton machine, or it's a 42 inch tilting ditch bucket for a 13 ton machine or something along those lines where dealers might go and order 30 or 40 of them at a time and, and have them in their yard. Um, but then, I mean, there's a great example. Like I did a WA 600 extreme duty quarry bucket with Ryan Hazelton and Anderson equipment and me and Ryan worked together. We looked at the quarry, we looked at their application. We looked at their last bucket. There was, there was some wear and tear um, and, I went and worked with AMI and we put in a 500 Tufts liner. We clear coated the bucket so you could see that the whole thing was made out of hard ox and that it's really impressive. And, and it's not just, oh yeah, it's a me too product. I mean, we did the clear coat so that the end user and, and the people could see the, the quality of the material going into it. People will tell you that AR and hard ox are the same, but they're not. Um, mm. And we want to make sure that the industry understands that and sees what's going into the product. So that would be an example of a custom and the, like, what kind of machine would that be going on? That was going on a WA 600 yard um, quarry loader. So that's a 9.2 yard spade nose bucket. That's a, a loader, which will be driving into the face of a shot uh, quarry and loading out a rigid frame haul truck. Right. Now, what about, now what about off the shelf though? Because, you know, you talked about, uh, for example, Cymex, having a warehouse here in that. So, I mean, there's there's obviously an off-the-shelf component. Is there, I mean, if someone's buying one, I mean, 
just in a way, I'm trying to understand the industry a little bit better as well. If someone needs one bucket um, as opposed to 50 buckets, um, is that, do you facilitate one or are you looking for people that are trying to buy 30 to 50? And what would be examples of, of one or the other? So I, I think for us, it's, I mean, it's a combination of both. And it really depends on the product we're talking about. With Cybex, mm. there's not as much custom stuff because they're high, more hydraulic tools. Right. Um, but they're, because they're more of an expensive and a hydraulic tool, the guys aren't going to be buying 50 of something necessarily. They might buy five or 10. Um, but a five or 10 unit order for Cybex product might be, $200,000, whereas a five or 10 unit for an excavator bucket, bucket might only be $15,000. Um, so it really depends on the product. With Cymex, where the customization comes in, for instance, with our cutter heads, we actually have a geologist, a full-time geologist on staff. And that's all he does. So when somebody buys a cutter head from us, we, we get a, uh, a pinpoint location so we can literally tell exactly what stone they have. We'll give them down to the, down to the minute production schedule and tell them whether the product's going to work or not. And nobody else in the world does that. Uh, that, that was actually what I was going to ask. So was that something you planned on doing, having a geologist um, on full time? Is that something that was planned at the very beginning, or is that, a, a, is that a, another gap that you saw the opportunity to have? That was actually so. something which Mirko saw, Mirko Rizzi, the owner of Simon, saw. That geologist is an Italian employee, um, but we've got complete access to him as, as part of our partnership. So if Joe Blow contractor calls me up and he's in West Virginia and he's looking to do some underground mining, he'll send me uh, a pin of his location. We've got a world map. He'll pull up, our geologist will pull up the location. Yes, it's a limestone and it's heavily fractured and the MPA is this, and you're going to get 50 tons per hour on this size cutter head or 72 tons per hour on this size or 110 tons per hour on this size. Um, and that lets our customers go in with confidence, knowing that they're getting the right product. Um, and then on the AMI side, a, we prefer to work with a dealer at first in something bulk, right? Because mm -hmm. if I put in, uh, let's just say Milton Cat buys our tilt buckets, right? So if I put 40 tilt buckets in Milton Cat's yard, their sales guys are going to see that. We're going to become a preferred vendor for them. They're going to continue to work with us and work with us just like Turamont or, or any of the other big dealers that we have do. And then when they do need something custom, our name is so built into their system that they just pick up the phone and call us. Right. The, uh, um, if someone orders, let's say a CAD dealer orders, you know, 30, 50 buckets, um, what kind of lead time is on that? Um, you know, obviously people in the industry already know this. This is just for my own curiosity. But um, it's like a manufacturer like AMI, are they, do they have those ready to go or, or do they manufacture those, you know, and then like, well, that size of order? They obviously sell a lot of them. So I'm just curious. So this is where I think a company like ours really stands out. So AMI has got a fast track program, which is awesome. So they keep shells in stock. It, either it's going to be next day shipment or 15 days or something along those lines, um, or they're willing to work with you. And so when a dealer comes to me and says, I need 50 buckets, instead of just saying, fine, here's 50 buckets, we'll say, all right, when do you have machines coming in? When do you really need them? Do you want us to keep some in our inventory? And we'll really customize and show oh. partnership level instead of just sending them 50 buckets and an invoice and say, pay us in 30 days. We'll say, what looks 
good for you? What's the right approach for you? And how do we make this the best for you? Not the best for us. By making it the best for them, it's, they're going to keep coming back. And that's what's good for us. So we really work with them on specializing a, a product and a, and a procedure for their company. Mm. I'm curious in talking, you know, you walking through all this, I, I, I want to go back to, to something that you touched on earlier, but from a very specific standpoint, what is different, um, like having a, a geologist on site? What is, um, what is different from what you thought it was going to be from, let's say, the one-year mark to the, this three-year mark? Um, is, what are some specific things that you expected it to be different from what it was or how you approach things? So, I mean, when I first started, I was just kind of thinking, I'll do this in the Northeast, I'll take care of the Northeast myself, and, and it'll be little BR attachments up here just handling 10 states kind of deal. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll just really do a good job there. And then all of a sudden, my partners were very happy. We had some opportunities to add, and we just kept adding and adding. And all of a sudden, we're at four guys, and we're looking to go to six guys here in the next two months. Um, we hired a mechanic, which I never dreamed of having a mechanic, right? I, I didn't think that there was a need. Our, our dealer mm. that service form, but we saw an opportunity where we heard negative feedback from our clients about some of our competitors not having the ability to send somebody there when they do run into an issue that their guys can't handle. So instead of waiting for that issue to come up with us, we proactively just went out and hired a guy. Um, the, the growth has been staggering, um, but it's also the, the, my number one concern right now, because as we grow, I mean, that, that just puts such a crazy strain on cash and, I always thought sales were king, but in reality, cash is king. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've been amazingly lucky, though. Again, my partners work with me on that stuff, and they want to grow, too. They're all hyper-aggressive, and they really view the world as, as not what's going to happen tomorrow or six months, but let's look three, five, ten years down the line. Where do we want to get to, and how do we get there, and how do we do it responsibly, but yet aggressively. I mean, hiring a sales rep during COVID and then hiring another sales rep during COVID and now hiring a third sales rep during COVID is something nobody else is doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's on hold, if not laying people off. And we're, we're out there gobbling it up and we're taking the market care along with it. Do you, uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, cash is king. And um, that is, you know, I, I, I don't know how many businesses I've seen out start out the gate um, probably not properly financed or having their finances in order. I've been a part of that, that those situations and, and paid for it. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, but um, what would there be something? And I, I'm really digging into this, and I, I don't want to you know, get into your your actual like the numbers in the finance. Of course, that's obviously confidential. But but just is there a is there a different approach now that you would take? And I'm thinking for someone watching that's going, well, this, this guy's 35. He's got, a, he's got a business that's now expanding across North America. And, um, you know, they're working in a different type of business and thinking, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should go out on my own. On the finance side, 
What is there anything specific that you would do differently that would set you up? Do you think、um, may, maybe even just for less stress, not necessarily slower growth, but just that it would be、um, or or something you think you did really well that you would say to someone, make sure this is in place. So yeah, for sure. There's a there's a myriad of things I would have done differently, without a doubt. I'd say the first thing, and and if somebody was going to try to do something like what I've done, my industry, not in not my industry, is create a banking relationship、um, mm. before you need it. I, I mean, right. Funny, <laughs>、yeah. I can fund this, and and if it had just stayed me in the Northeast, I could have, and it wouldn't have been a problem. But when I made the decision to bring on another sales rep and expand territory, and then eventually just take over all all of the United States. Um, trying to build that relationship in two months is very difficult. Whereas if I had built that relationship with the banks before and taken and had the line of credit and, not, and the other things, it, they wouldn't the 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 response time just would have been quicker for me to say I need to accelerate it. And now I've got a great banking relationship and and M and T's been awesome and and I've been able to hey we're adding or we're doing a big big buy and and I need to bump it up another. Two hundred thousand, and they don't hesitate now. But at that first year, they were like, "We don't even know who you are, and you haven't even filed taxes for this company yet. Like, we don't know how to look at、mm-hmm. you."、Um, so, building that banking relationship up front is important, and then really, you need to understand your cash flow. I looked at it too close at start, and it kind of made me scared. And then I didn't look at it enough. And it got me in a little bit of trouble. Now I, I look at it, but it's not life or death for me. As long as I'm not close to the red, I don't let that dictate my decisions because it will slow you down.、Um, mm-hmm. I know I've got the banking behind me, so I can let that not dictate my decisions anymore. But definitely understand your cash flow and where you and your family's at. I took a, a small bridge loan from my father to start this off, and I, I want I was dead set not to. But I had to take a fifty thousand dollar bridge loan for two months just to get us past hiring that first guy,、um, and I paid it off as quick as I could because I didn't want debt to anybody. But、uh, it's you need to understand what kind of a safety net you have out there, and, and then how to how to use that appropriately. Yeah, it's it's something I've told a lot of people. Don't、uh, you know? Some people almost take pride in oh, I didn't take money from anybody, and I go. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you know, that's if you're going into business, you've got, especially if you have a family, if you're going to have employees, your pride doesn't get to dictate your decisions. I mean, it can, but it you could you could suffer for it greatly, and other people can suffer for it. Yeah, it's you know, I'm just, I'm just I'm glad you you actually talked about that because I、um, I tr- I try on this show to talk about I again, and I've said it so many times in the show. There's so much stuff about. Leadership, hiring the right people, which you've touched on, which are all—I mean—they're so important. You know, securing good partnerships. But I, I people finances is are scary and they're complicated,、um, especially if you overcomplicate them.、Um, and so I think it's so good when people come in and actually talk about the importance because I think too many people start a business and their finances are just not in order. Yeah, they don't—they don't have a bridge loan from somebody. They don't have a banking relationship. They don't understand the need for their cash flow. They they don't understand you know how much interest they should be paying on the, what they have financed and all those things. I mean, they're just it's so important, and yet I think it's one of the probably the least things I see talked about when people are putting out how to run a business online, which is very strange actually. 
it's crazy. I mean, I don't understand why cash is this no fly topic and, and it's such a faux pas thing to talk about because it's, especially in the business world, it is king. Um, and, and it should be talked about. And that's why I really appreciate guys like Keaton Turner and, and, and guys like that who are openly having that conversation on Instagram or LinkedIn and, and making it an okay thing to talk about. Um, and and I, I give them a lot of credit and I've been able to post things that I would never have thought would be acceptable because of, of guys like him. And, and yeah. that something which I've taken on, which he did really well as, as well is, so cash is king, but people make your company. Um, right. My employees cost me, I, my, all, every employee I have makes more than I have. No question about it. They, their 401ks get a 50% match. Their health insurance is 100% covered. And those are things which every person I talk to is like, you're crazy, why are you doing that? But without them, without people that are better, brighter, and smarter than me, I'm nothing. I, I'm just mm -hmm. running a 10 states up here and we're not building anything big. Right. But because I've, I've gone out and hired guys that cost me a bunch of money and I've put the, the right principles in place, all of a sudden we're, we're double, triple growth every year and, and just really doing something which I didn't even necessarily dream was possible. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think there's there's so many things that you you've touched on during this interview, which is, yeah, the, the people, the partnerships, the finance. I mean, I'm this is one of those episodes. I hope because you're in it. I hope people watch it because you are in um, an interesting position where you're a distributor for a project. There's an off the shelf. There is a custom element. There's a people element. There's a technical element. It really is sort of a well-rounded business that pretty much, if you're going to go into business, anybody who's watching this would, would hear some tips from it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm glad you came on the show. I'm, I'm glad you came on the show, um, Ben, because, um, yeah, we, we covered a lot. And right off the, the bat, when we first talked, um, I think you had uh, seen, I, I think you'd seen a turn, the Turner Mining show, right? Yeah. Um, and we talked and I, as, as soon as you got on the phone, I went, oh, this, this guy just speaks directly, which is always a great interview. I just, as soon as I have someone like that, I'm like, okay, let's get you booked in here. So, so thanks for coming on the show. Um, you know, you said about some of these expansions that's happening. I hope, you know, maybe next year to get you back on. Um which would be really good to see sort of those next levels that you're hitting. And I, it, it's clear that you will be hitting them. So. Well, excellent. Thank you so much, Jared, for having me on. I really appreciate it and be more than happy to come back out in a year and see where we're all at then. Definitely. Okay. Thank you everybody for watching. Um, you know, I, I like every show that we do, but some shows are just more fun. Um, this, uh, Ben is just the, the way he approaches it. And I think, you know, it's, um, you know, there's a similarity in age and so I, a lot of things he's talking about I've <laughs> I've experienced that one in one form or the other so um, especially these partnerships that that Ben talked about and, and the finance side it, it's so important and I really encourage people that are watching to to look at those elements um, of this interview and, and take notes from it thank you for watching everybody uh, please subscribe um, send us your feedback suggest another guest Put your company on as a guest or a sponsor. Just let us know. It never hurts to uh, reach out and have a chat. Thank you for watching. Talk to you soon. Thank you for watching. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you would like to help support the production of the show, head on over to crownsman.com forward slash donations.
Um, there are two options, the five buck monthly subscription option and the support heavy industry one-time donation option. Again, that is crownsman.com forward slash donations. Thank you so much for watching and we will see you on the next episode.